When you need mealtime inspiration, it's worth Shopping Kroger, where you'll find over 30,000 mouth-watering choices that excite your inner foodie. And no matter what tasty choice you make, you'll enjoy our everyday low prices, plus extra ways to save, like digital coupons worth over $600 each week. You can also save up to $1 off per gallon at the pump with fuel points. More savings and more inspiring flavors make Shopping Kroger worth it every time. Kroger, fresh for everyone. Fuel restrictions apply. What's up, everybody? Ben from Blockbuster Mentality here, and we actually have a very special show today. Uh, Dave is not here. Uh, no, I'm just just giving Dave a hard time. Uh, the The special show is because we are part of All the Horror 2019. That's right. That is a collaboration of podcasters, authors, and entertainment personalities discussing and embracing all things horror according to their twitter uh, handle you can follow them at all the horror 18 uh they're releasing at least one episode every day in october uh embracing like 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 they said like their twitter handle explains all things horror uh as you know uh us here at blockbuster mentality we're not big horror guys so this is uh this is a new uh <laughs> A new th- adventure for us, I guess you could say. Um, but we're very happy to have on the show today a returning guest, um, a screenwriting professor, uh, <laughs> Mr. Ryan L. Terry. Ryan, welcome back to the show. It's good having you. Uh, thank you so much, Ben. I'm excited to be back and uh, had so much fun on our uh, last uh, episodes. We were talking about Sunset Boulevard and then our favorite uh, Oscar-winning songs. And uh, now we get to come back and talk about my favorite subject, which is horror. And I'm glad that you guys stretched a little bit because it's true. You're not big horror fans. Uh, really? you, a l- uh, you a little bit. So I'm, right. gl- I'm glad, to, glad to see you uh, stretching there. <laughs> and it's going to be a lot of fun to talk about it uh, all month long. There's been such uh, fantastic content out there for the uh, All the Horror collaboration. And I think my favorite thing about being a part of it is uh, just the, um, the d- degree of collaboration and community that comes out of this. And it's uh, wonderful seeing people interact with each other who normally wouldn't because you know, it uh, it's, uh, takes a lot of time. For those of you who are listening, if you've never uh, uh, put together a show before, uh, it's, uh, there's a lot of work involved. And it, you know, it does take away from the time that you're able to spend networking with uh, other podcasters. And what I like about this is it forces you to uh, interact with others and uh, you get to know people. Yeah. And, and I think that that's uh, probably the best thing to come out of this. You know, we can all share our love for horror. But while we're doing that, we're building a stronger sense of community on hashtag film Twitter, hashtag horror Twitter, hashtag all the horror right. specifically. And I'm looking forward to how this is going to grow. Just this year, we had the uh, Women in Horror Month back in February, which I also participated in. I wrote four oh, art- nice. articles on uh, some... Notable women in horror, uh, Annie Wilkes from Misery, Ellen Ripley from Alien, of course, Laurie Strode from Halloween, and I don't know, no, I didn't do Laurie Strode. I did um, Clary Starling from Science of the Lambs and then Nancy Thompson from A Nightmare oh, on nice. Street. So, uh, so I'm looking forward to yeah. uh, what we're, uh, we're going to be doing uh, next year. Maybe uh, we'll uh, find a way of uh, 
uh, working in uh, Christmas horror films here coming up. Uh, Christmas is right around the corner, it seems. Uh, but first, we got to do Halloween, and I love Halloween, so we can't start. We can't right. start with uh, Jingle Bells <laughs> until the last piece of candy, you know, is uh, thrown into a, a, ba- a bag on Halloween. Uh, so, yeah, you yeah. can't you can't get can't get into the sweetness until you get into the scariness. You know, <laughs> you, you got to be spooked first. <laughs> and a huge shout out to the people who you know got the the folks over at Invasion of the Remake who uh, you know are kind of coordinating this. Huge shout out to them. Uh, as you said, you know, uh, doing you know if you're not a content creator, I mean, doing your own show is hard enough, but coordinating all this and you know uh, getting all these podcasts to agree to come on and coordinating the schedule so far in advance you know getting prepared for uh for all that uh they they definitely need to be uh commended for that so shout out to them for sure um today uh obviously we are as you can tell by the title of the episode we're talking about the night of the living dead and uh this is this is one i actually uh did uh see before uh this show <laughs> this is one that i've uh that I actually have been a fan of of, so uh, you know, it's not totally out of my realm. I'm not as uh, scared as uh, Dave is uh, with horror movies, so I'm a I'm a little uh, more adventurous. Um, but uh, but yeah, like uh, the Night of the Living Dead, uh, Ryan. I mean, what what was your first experience with this movie? Do you remember? Uh, I I don't really recall my first experience watching it. I know I watched it fairly early, and um, I want to say that I actually saw. The um the the remake the one that was in color in the nineteen is that eighties whatever the oh, okay whatever that one came out which is uh uh yeah, very similar but there are some not- uh, notable differences between the two so I think I saw that one first before watching Night of the Living Dead uh, but I it was still uh, still a, a while ago. I uh, absolutely, yeah. uh, you know, uh, you know, uh, respect and admire this film, and I love how uh, it just redefined the zombie movies. Because many people don't know that zombie movies were a thing before Night of the Living Dead. Uh, in fact, in the in the nineteen thirties, we had White Zombie followed by I Walked with a Zombie, two of the uh, you know, foundational uh, zombie films. Now, the zombies you see in those movies are different than the George Romero zombie. I find that the George Romero zombie is the uh, the it's uh, he he, uh, he gave us the modern zombie, and that is the one yep. that we have largely seen ever since uh, but it's uh, yep. but it's not the first zombie film because those other two uh, do predate it and they're great films so if you have a chance to watch white zombies or i walked with a zombie definitely watch them a little different zombie more grounded in the roots of the zombie myth so there's a lot of voodoo and mysticism so definitely okay. check the, ch- uh, check those out but but definitively the modern zombie was created by george romero and this ultra low budget film that has gone on to uh, con- you know, influence you know the, the decades to come after and still influences today because even the zombies that we get in you know The Walking Dead 
or Shaun of the Dead, which I right. talked talk briefly about with real spoilers this morning, because we we're talking about our favorite horror comedies, and Shaun of the Dead oh. came up. Needless to say, Shaun of nice. the Dead is not one of mine. I don't really like yeah. <laughs> I don't really like Edgar Wright's uh, movies, except for Baby Driver. But anyway. Oh, so. yeah, but I love Baby Driver. <laughs> so good. Uh, so good. <laughs> but, but yeah, I uh, there's, there's so much here. It's uh, steeped with social commentary. And I love how something so simple, this is a, uh, it's a simple film. Uh, It is an independent film. And yet, you know, it has provided us uh, with so much material. And again, it's, uh, it's influence just cannot be quantified because it's far reaching. Right. Yeah. And and as you were saying about how, you know, obviously influence, but also, you know, you said how, you know, this basically inspired the modern day zombie. Uh, Yeah. I mean, zombies weren't cannibals uh, before. They weren't, uh, you know, this movie kind of brought that to the forefront. Uh, They weren't... um, you know the whole shoot it, shoot him in the head thing to to fully kill them. That was from this movie, um, and I'm sure there's others as well. Those are just happen to be the two that I uh, read about when researching for for this episode. But uh, but yeah, man, it's crazy just what influence this had for. And this is from 1968, so yeah, we're at what 50, 51 years ago now. Um, so yeah, it's 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 incredible. You know, like you said, the the influence this movie has had on the actual genre. We have um, we have uh, Hitchcock's Psycho in 1960, which uh, gives birth to the modern horror film. And then eight years later, we have Night of the Living Dead, which gives birth to the modern zombie. Uh, ten years later, in 1978, you know, we would have uh, the slasher genre truly defined, even though Texas Chainsaw d- does come out before Halloween. It, we really get more of a formalized slasher with uh, Halloween in 78. And, um, and then of course in that, you know, that gets us into the eighties and, and, and the rest is history. Uh, but it is, uh, but it, it's right there. Uh, you know, while we are, uh, you know, playing around with, uh, with these new horror conventions that, uh, that Hitchcock, uh, gave birth to. And so we have all these other writers and directors that see the possibilities of what we can do with what we now call the modern horror film. And, and this is one of those I- interpretations. And so while the um, uh, slasher was uh, starting to develop, I guess if this was a biology class, maybe it's a, uh, I, I don't know what state, well, I, I can't remember biology class. So just yeah. for, forget <laughs> that I mentioned biology class. We are developing. I was trying to think of some human development analogy, but like we're, right, we're, yeah. we are developing right now. And so while slashers uh, were developing and we have hauntings and possessions, because this is also 1968, is also Rosemary's Baby. So we, right. so we have another foundational film, uh, which uh, uh, has you know, gone on to, to, to influence countless, uh, countless other films. And so we have those. But George Romero uh, had a shoestring budget. He did not have Polanski's Rosemary's Baby's budget. So he's like, well, what can I do? You know, with my uh, with my shoestring budget, and he decides to shock audiences with something that has never been seen before. And uh, this is thankfully before we had the uh, the the current uh, MPAA rating system. That's before this took full effect. We are uh, getting into the seventies, which is largely an experimental decade in film. And he decides to redefine what the zombie is. 
And uh, most everybody listening to this has probably seen this once, if not multiple times. Right. And uh, it's uh, so incredibly rewatchable. I, I recently uh, rewatched it in order to prepare for the show, and I've seen the documentaries about it. And I'm I'm always finding something new every time. Uh, a funny story. Yeah. I was a uh, worked at the Museum of Science and Industry summer camp a few years ago, and one of their and I did it for about three summers while I was in grad school. And one of the well, one of the classes I taught was actually zombie movie making. And so, oh, okay, I, yeah. So I actually showed the cl- uh, showed the students uh, Night of the Living Dead. Of course, I forgot that there is actually some perhaps uh, content that. Uh, was maybe not suitable for the age group that I had because I just I just right. kind of, I just I, I forgot. But you know what? The the the, the kids still loved it, and none of the parents complained. <laughs> yeah. So I guess so I guess it's fine. But uh, I showed them uh, this because because they were familiar with like World War Z and and others. And like, well, before we have you know World War Z and Walking Dead uh, and um, Warm Bodies, which as uh, cheesy as Warm Bodies was, I, I enjoyed it. And uh, yeah. but this is this is where it started. And so they patterned their zombie movie that we made during the week at summer camp uh, after what they saw in Night of the Living Dead. Yeah, that's that's awesome um, that you yeah actually had a, a, a class like that. And uh, yeah, yeah, I don't know if the, it was quite appropriate, but like you said, none of the none of the parents complained, so that's what counts. Um, yeah, that's that's great. I, I was actually, it's funny you should say age appropriate because I actually, I think I was introduced to this by my mom um, inadvertently. I don't think she was trying to, but we were talking about old movies or something and um, when I was a kid and, and her name's Barbara. So uh, the naturally, yeah, <laughs> yep. <laughs> her, her sisters used to tease her with that line uh, growing up so yeah it's, that's that's how i because yeah, she told me that story and that's that's kind of how i was uh introduced to this movie so um yeah every time i hear that line now i just you know it makes me think of my mom now so uh, <laughs> it's an interesting weird connection i have with my mom um but uh but yeah that that whole opening that whole opening scene i mean i'd I love how uh, i I don't feel like newer movies do this anymore. They kind of just, you know, it's kind of just a, they show score and scenery, you know, just kind of get you set, get the tone set for a film. I feel like that's lacking in uh, films nowadays. I mean, there are films that still do stuff like this, but it seems like back in the this era of filmmaking, they were big on just setting the tone for the film and that's that's what uh, george romero does uh in this movie uh with the car driving and the the ominous score you know the car driving up the hill into the cemetery um i, I really appreciate when they do that because it puts the audience again right you know in, in the mood for the movie um i think that's which, uh make a, a really good point there um and uh, to piggyback off of that I think that um, uh, what we have here, why the films today are largely different uh, to the, the ones that we had around this era, is the filmmakers that we had during this time uh, ha- you know, studied you know, silent cinema to a, a great extent. I mean, the uh, reason Hitchcock was a masterful visual storyteller is because his, his talent was birthed out of silent cinema because that's where he got the start of his career. You know, and George Romero and others, you know, they are in the early days, you know, before 
we had all these uh, tricks of the trade and all this technology, and and th- they really just had a camera, and they they just right. had a script, you know, and they had some you know special effects artists, you know, and special effects you know during this time you know would uh, start to truly develop you know with uh, Tom Savini and Rick Baker and others uh, through uh, who would uh, redefine. You know, horror makeup special effects, Rick Baker with American Werewolf in London, just to, uh, for example. And so this is all going on uh, during, you know, this time, during, you know, the span of um, 10, 20, 30 years. There's a lot of, uh, uh, there's a huge evolution uh, with horror films. But with these earliest ones, because we don't yet have uh, a lot of those techniques that Rick Baker and Tom Savini would give us, you know, there's a camera, there's a script, there's actors. and and I think that's why we have so many great atmospheric horror films, uh, because that was what they were able to uh, control. That's what they were able to craft. And and it serves these films very well. And I love it when we get atmospheric horror films today. And we don't get too many of them. Uh, Hereditary is a good example. Uh, Midsummer. Uh, we have uh, Get Out. And uh, uh, trying to think... Um, I can't think of any others that just ju- uh, jumped to mind, uh, but but they they do still exist. But uh, but I, I right. like how you uh, point that out that some of the techniques that we used to use, which are tried and true and still work, uh, are not uh, as popular today. But I think we're starting to see a trend, you know, to go uh, kind of going back old school and embracing the old techniques. Uh, if uh, any of our uh, independent horror films in the last you know couple of years are any indication of that. Yeah, absolutely. And it's, yeah, it's just, it's just crazy because I mean, it's, you know, why, why wouldn't you use that? Because I mean, that could totally change your, your view of the film. Because if you go into a movie, just flipping it on, just because you're like, ah, let me, let me just check this one out. And they don't like set that tone right away. It's like, it could, it could totally, depending on the mood you're in, you know, obviously might not necessarily be the movie's fault that you're in this funk of a mood um but you know it, it, it the movie can help that by setting that tone which uh which yeah they they do so well in these in these older movies and you know we do see it you know every now and then with with these other films too you know that are coming out today but but yeah i just i did you know i feel like anytime i flip on a movie from the 60s now we, we you get that 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 beginning you know that that tone setting which is great um Rosemary's yeah, Baby this. is great for that. The the little song yeah. at the beginning, so oh, creepy. Right. You hear like the little kids and the 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 chant, and it's just like something is wrong here. Yeah, and <laughs> uh, and so yes, I mean that's a that's a great point, and I yeah. I do think there's a trend going back to that, uh, and so yeah. I hope I hope it hope it continues, and uh, who knows, you know what uh, the next decade uh, will. Will bring us, and so it seems like every decade where uh, we have a different uh, a different kind of horror film is king, uh, so to speak. And so I'm looking forward for uh, the next one. I think we're going to head into a decade where there's a uh, horror films that uh, are heavy with social commentary. I think that might yep. be the trend that we're going to see in the next decade. Uh, we certainly have some good examples of that of the last couple of years. And this one even has a lot of social commentary in it, which I'm sure we'll talk about. But I think that's the um, that's the direction that, that we're going. Uh, I'd say the early uh, 2010s, a lot of uh, paranormal movies with a paranormal activity. And, of course, you have Sinister and 
uh, Insidious, and and so we're uh, so and now we're transitioning to more uh, the uh, horror films that uh, truly have a, a a message and are commenting on society. And so I think right. perhaps that's what we're that's what we have in the late 2010s, and I think that's what we're going to continue to see into the uh the early to perhaps mid 2020s hi guys this is Gemma, one third of talking cosmolic podcast and i was asked to talk about zombie films which is right up my street because i absolutely love horror films and zombie films so i've been informed that i have to keep this short so it's gonna be a tricky one but i will certainly do so a couple of my favorite ones are dawn of the dead the version by George A. Romero. I absolutely loved his work and, you know, still love his work. And um, I also like the remake of that as well, but I didn't enjoy it quite as much as the original because with the original, like you could proper see the artisticness with the makeup artists and things like that. You know, the, the real detail that they actually put into it, you know, it was probably just tomato sauce or or pig's blood or whatever it was but um i haven't done a lot of researching that's why i don't know but still you know it's how they managed to achieve all those special effects without all of the special effects of today and i think that's very impressive and the other film that i really really enjoy is um shawn of the dead which is obviously a comedy version of a zombie film i just love it because not only is it a typical london type film so everyone literally does walk around like a zombie and you wouldn't know the difference, to be honest, at first, unless, of course, somebody starts biting your head. <laughs> but again, that could happen in London. But um, yeah, I just I like the comedy side of things with that as well. And it's just genius. You know, it's all the attention to detail, again, that they do in that. But it's just the timings of everything as well and the references that they make to obviously having a cup of tea and everything will just fly over. You know, that is a very British term. So I had to pick that one, really. With regards to things like Walking Dead, I loved that at first, but I really have gone off it a bit now. Um, Reason for that is because I really enjoyed it when the zombies were actually kind of a main feature in the program so it was like the people that were surviving obviously the the zombie attacks and things like that but nowadays it's kind of people versus people which is a great aspect to it and it also rings some true bells as to how humans probably would react in that kind of situation but at the same time there's not as many zombies anymore and let's face it we want to see people with their faces hanging off, don't we? Anyway, I hope this has helped you and uh, happy Halloween. Yeah. Yeah. Bye. I think one of the biggest ones you had already mentioned before is get out. I mean, that's huge on, on the social commentary. Let, I mean, let's let's get into that social commentary. I mean, what, uh, what are you referring to in social commentary when we're talking about uh, Night of the Living Dead? Sure. Now, this is what uh, what uh, viewers of the movie you know, have to understand. You have to put yourself in... Uh, the shoes of those who are watching the film when it was first released. And yep. actually, it's great. You can do that with horror films in general. 
because uh, uh, wherever we were as a society, horror films were a reflection of that. Perhaps it was the Black Mirror reflection, but it was still a reflection of what was going on at the time. And right. uh, that's why we had a lot of uh, sexploitation and uh, black exploitation films in the 1970s because the 1970s was highly experimental. We had just came out of the 1960s, which was a very, you know, uh, quote, innocent time for the country. And so that's why we uh, have uh, the movies in the 60s the way they are. And, you know, uh, you know, 20 years prior to that with the space race, that's when we have like science fiction, you know, uh, horror movies. And because we're uh, looking out into space and then we have – uh, you know, the monsters early on. And, and so this is, uh, you know, looking at, looking at where you are as a society, you'll be able to find, uh, how it parallels the horror films of the day. And so right. looking at, uh, looking at night of the living dead, uh, what I, I think it does a, um, a really good job with is, uh, you know, commenting on our, on our deepest fears, and it and it does this through talking about um, alienation, cannibalism, uh, racism, and even identity. Uh, there's a, a like an interesting question that one could ask: Who is the true enemy here? So, understanding right. the sociological implications of this film uh, co- uh, comes into full view when you do place yourself. Back in those days, what was happening at the time? Well, what was happening at the time? Well, the U.S. was emerging uh, from the height of the civil rights era, the aftermath of the Vietnam War. And so one of the uh, common theoretical approaches to understanding the themes of this film is to view it as an analogy of the U.S. and Vietnam. Uh, you know, moreover, yeah. I'd say the zombies can be seen as racial, ethnic, uh, religious, and sexual orientation minorities in the U.S., and so there are many approaches to studying this film. Any one of those you, know, you can read into the film, and that helps to make this such a groundbreaking uh, uh, film with a great content, a, a great story. And uh, he also, Romero also does this, and this doesn't get talked about an awful lot. He broke ground by making the strong leading man black, which was against the norm of Hollywood at the time. Yep. And what I love about horror films is they're the first to do these. They are the first to have, quote, strong female characters. And I mean, all, I think all female characters can be strong. And I know we say strong female, but just for the sake of argument, listeners, please don't at me. It's just a strong, strong female <laughs> characters. Um, and right. then uh, we have a, a, a leading, uh, uh, a black leading actor. And I, and I, and I, I say, I say that because, you know, during that time, that was not common during that right. time. You, like the leading man was supposed to be a white guy. It's like your leading man isn't supposed to be a woman. Your leading man isn't supposed to be a black guy. Your leading man is supposed to be a cis white dude. Well, you know, George Romero says, fuck that. And so that's what he's, you know, that's what he's doing with this film. And, and I love that. And I think we forget about that element in Night of the Living Dead. Cause we're so focused on the zombies that we forget that he um, makes our, our, our strong character, uh, you know, a, a played by he's played by a black actor, and um, and I think we're still struggling to really uh, see that today. You know, most of our central characters, most of our strong leading men, are still white guys, and uh, right. so uh, so yeah, it's about horror. Was trying to change this was a sixty eight. This is twenty nineteen. Yep. Was that fifty? 
50 years 51, ago, yeah, 51 yeah. years ago, this is 51 years ago. Just like the horror was redefining, uh, you know, strong female characters with our final girls out of the late seventies and eighties. And that's way before it became like uh, cool to have a strong female character. Like somehow people think that this is just now a thing and it's just not being recognized when hello horror has been doing this for how many decades now, right. but people yeah. don't take horror. Many people don't take horror seriously and so, therefore, they they overlook the fact that these are actually breaking ground decades before you know other films are, and I, I think knowing that makes this uh, story so much more significant, makes it so much more powerful. And you know, there are countless books and countless articles uh, that have been uh, written on it. And so, I think just that alone, if you've never seen this movie before, should inspire you to watch, you know, uh, this film, which is uh, you know, a phenomenal work. And and so, if you haven't seen it, you know, I highly encourage you uh, to watch it. But th- I mean, that is that is my, uh, in yeah. a nutshell, you know, why Night <laughs> of the Living Dead is so great. Yeah, no, definitely. Yeah, I mean that's it's great that you you bring up. Yeah, I mean to to watch this now, you you have to put yourself in 1968 shoes because otherwise, yeah, you just watch it, you're just like, oh, you know, it's a, just a silly old movie, and you know, it's can be comical at times with maybe some of the effects, you know, and but yeah, when you actually think of the time this came out, it's like, yeah, yeah, it's it's it was unheard of to see. Yeah, I don't want to say unheard of, but yeah, it was rare to see a you know leading black man and you know to have females you know at the forefront like that with with uh barbara's character uh dwayne jones plays ben he's the character we've been talking about he's essentially i I guess our hero in the movie um uh in a way um you know obviously he has his his run-ins with 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 harry cooper played by carl hardman um but yeah i'm definitely going to be checking out these I i didn't know there was any documentaries on this or anything like that i'll definitely be checking out that um because yeah i mean even reading some of the you know the the facts or whatever on on imdb it seems quite quite interesting um but yeah, I mean, you could you could tell this is experimental too. I mean, just the the camera angles at the beginning in the cemetery are just kind of you know on an you know they're not straight on or anything yeah. like that. Um, I, I love how uh, this whole cemetery scene was filmed when she fi- and then you know obviously she finally gets in the house. Um, I just love how love how it was filmed. Um, now. Um, Oh, and then also the blood is uh, chocolate syrup. Uh, that that was a fun little fact, you know, black oh, and white. You so know, it you also get, uses <laughs> uh, Hitchcock's chocolate syrup. So uh, yep, yep, I exactly. <laughs> See. See, I'm here to I'm here to inform <laughs> Ryan. I'm here to inform. <laughs> um, but, uh, but yeah, it's it's uh, also interesting too because uh, I, I love this uh, about zombie films. Not just this. Uh, this was in '68. I love this about zombie movies. Is it it shows? Yes, you got the dead walking outside, but it kind of shows the descent of people's humanity uh, who are actually alive, you know? It kind of shows their 
who they really are. I love that aspect of of uh, of zombie movies and, and things like this, like like the Harry Cooper character. I mean, you know, he was probably you know respected individual when you know when he's out in the real world, but uh, you know, in this movie, he's a total coward. You know, he's yeah. he just wants to stay in the cellar with his family. Uh, you know, he's not going to let uh, Ben back in the house when you know he easily could. Um, you know, he's a he's a total total coward. But yeah, just that descent of of humanity is just such an interesting uh concept when it comes to uh zombie movies or you know kind of like a post-apocalyptic movies things like that i love i love that uh you know that touch to these these sort of movies yeah we have different characters here we uh we have our cowering character uh we have our character wants to go out and kill them all we have a character who is not sure what to do, so just don't do anything. So we ha- we have different uh, different characters here, and these different characters represent us when we're faced with something that we're afraid of, or perhaps that which we don't understand. And it's a it's a visualization of of how our different responses affect the larger situation, and uh, we certainly see that in our everyday lives when uh, somebody. Uh, wants to turn to violence because they don't understand something or they're going to ignore it, you know, hoping it just goes away. Cause it's like, Oh, that's a problem. I'm going to ignore it. It's going to go away. I'm not going to help. I'm just, you know, that's, it's somebody else's problem. Somebody else is going right. to deal with it. And, and so, and so you can replace the zombies with uh, uh, just, just about anything. And, um, yeah. and then it, perhaps that could drive the point home uh, a little more poignantly. And uh, I, so that's, I mean, the, uh, you know, we, we still face, you know, our zombies today. And uh, they may not be, you know, uh, running us down or lurking or coming at us in hordes to uh, eat our brains, which uh, we don't actually learn until. Um, is it a uh, Night of the Living Dead two or uh, Dawn of the Dawn of the Dead? Maybe it was Dawn of the Dead or I can't. It yeah. might have been Dawn of the Dead in which I, I can't help you there. Yeah, in which <laughs> uh, they actually it's when they're actually saying brains. We want brains, uh, but oh uh, uh, yeah, yeah. Uh, but before uh, before that, uh, they they actually didn't speak. I learned that on. Um, uh, from a Gidget Von LaRue on Retro Cinema podcast when they covered, I think it was Dawn of the Dead, uh, or it was Night of the Living Dead 2, one of those, uh, a few weeks ago. And uh, and then she pointed out that uh, while we say brains, 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 for the longest time, zomb- the zombies didn't say anything until that particular movie. Um, yeah. So... So, but you can replace these zombies with uh, anything you don't understand, and 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 so they and they can represent any number of fears. I think certainly yeah. we have some that we can link to the Vietnam era when this was made, but then we can also you know stuff today. Yeah, we can um, kind of uh, lay uh, lay on top of it, superimpose it, and and read it uh, differently, and pro- perhaps a manner which feels more relevant to us. And a movie that you're able to do that with, I, I think, is very powerful, and that's why uh, it uh, you know stands the test of time.
invasion of the remake. Please stand by for further instructions. Hi, I'm Jason with Sam and Trish from Invasion of the Remake, and Blockbuster Cast has asked us to talk about our favorite zombie movies. And honestly, if anybody says anything but Shaun of the Dead, they're wrong. (laughs) But with the threat of everybody saying Shaun of the Dead, maybe we should talk about something else. Yeah. I think that's a good idea. I think we've all can agreed Shaun of the Dead is the best, but there's other ones that do have meaning for us. Yeah, I mean, God, there, there's so many great ones, and the granddaddy of them all being Night of the Living Dead, but for me is the one that <laughs> even the producers say isn't a zombie movie, although I think the director recently said it is, was uh, 28 Days Later. Mm. I really enjoy that movie, and let's face it, like zombies is, is infection. Um, I would call the crazies a zombie movie, even though it's an infection yeah. movie. And this is what I consider both. I mean, especially when we got the advent of fast zombies along the way. So, uh, Twenty Eight Days Later is certainly my favorite. I like how bleak it is, and and that low budget feel mm-hmm. the simpleness with the contact lenses of the infected and the the absolute savagery that that brings out in the person when they're infected um and they managed to really uh pull out the humanity of the people who were left in that movie um and i think the sequel did a pretty good job as well but for me that's probably my favorite more serious zombie movie yeah, and see, I have I I was bringing that one up as well because I also have a very interesting story behind that one. When I saw that movie, I was living in London at the time, and I got out of the theater and I was walking down some very kind of dark and not very populated streets. So the walk home became a run home at several points because I was already freaked out by twenty eight days later. <laughs> That's awesome. Already mapping out where the candy machines are. Absolutely. (laughs) It was terrifying because it's like I'm in the place where it's happening and it's kind of like it. (laughs) Just like that bleak, abandoned kind of feel. Yeah. I find the idea of London even being that quiet is is, would be pretty disturbing on any given night. Oh, the odd street you go down and there's nobody there. Creepy. Creepy, creepy. Well, the, most streets are when there's nobody on them some, for some reason. Uh, much creepier when there's a zombie wanting to eat your brains. Yes. Yeah. Which much. leads to the one that I was going to go with. Okay. I was going to go with Return of the Living Dead just because I remember seeing that when I was a teenager and just loving the comedy combined with the zombies. But really, I want to go with one that's me. A lot of people don't sort of consider a zombie film, but really is. It's probably one of the purest zombie films there is. The Serpent in the Rainbow. Oh, yeah. Yes. Right? Because... It's so plausible. Zombie. The voodoo zombie. The, yeah, the, yeah the, the, the source of it all, right? Oh, yeah. Because it's based, quote, unquote, on somebody's real experiences. It just adds that extra sort of spookiness, creepiness to it because it, it, it is surprisingly plausible. Right. Yeah. So that, that would be the one that I would go with as sort of one of those underrated classic zombie movies, given the fact that zombies have kind of taken on a new meaning um, with Walking Dead and 28 Days Later and Shaun of the Dead, all these other great zombie films. But yeah, it's still one of my favorites. 
that is awesome. That is awesome. And yeah, that's a really good poll. I really like that one. And uh, yeah, I think that's more of a forgotten zombie film as there's a certain genre to it now that's come up from the George Romero movies. That's what a zombie is. But there's no, no, there's all sorts of different zombies. And that's a, that's a perfect they example. They had the original myth, well, right? Exactly. Yeah, the original myth came from voodoo. Where and the zombie was not so much an un well they were kind of an undead person resurrected but also kind of a slave to the person who resurrected them. Well, and the, yeah, in the Summer of the Rainbow, they're not dead. They're people whose id has been taken away. They have they've mm-hmm. been turned into brainless monsters that, that are under somebody else's control, uh, yeah. but they're still alive. Essentially, yeah. it's like they've been drugged into a stupor. It's yeah chemical castration <laughs> yeah yeah so yeah, yeah. Just, and again just makes it really creepy to have to be aware but not in control of your own being yeah oh yeah that's the horror of it all isn't yeah. it yeah. like you realize being resurrected as a zombie is like you're just not you anymore that's far scarier than shambling monsters yeah what about you trish so yeah, like you, you've twenty days later you took that one, but it's there was one. It was the Australian one. The I think it's undead. Undead. And it was just because I remember renting it. We were like, oh, let's just give this a try, and it was mental. <laughs> like it's just so mentally fun. And there's an the, a scene with the plane that if you get the if you can get your hands on DVD and watch the special features of how they did that one, it's like amazing. Like what they did with sort of the theme of it. This and is everything. the Australian version of Dead Alive in a lot of ways. Yeah. And if you want something crazy, it's got monsters and zombies and, and flying alien, zombies, aliens. Yes, zombies being pulled up because of aliens. They really they threw a lot at it, and it's mental and it's great. <laughs> Yeah, if you want a great, like, splatter gore horror comedy like Evil Dead and Dead Alive, Peter Jackson's Dead Absolutely. Alive, something really bloody, go for Undead. It's a it's a hard one to find, though, because it's a... We were just yeah. on another show talking about that movie uh, mm. with an Australian host, and they didn't know what it was. <laughs> nope. So <laughs> even in their own country, they don't know what Undead is. Well worth the search. Well worth the search. I, I own a copy myself, so definitely. that That is a hidden gem of zombie movies. Yes. Uh, if you want to hear us talk about all sorts of crazy movies we are of course invasion of the remake and we will talk about movie good movies that have been turned into really shitty ones and we will talk about some bad movies that we think can be made into much better movies so check us out we're invasion of the remake and you can find us on libsyn and all your favorite podcast providers including apple podcast stitcher google play and freaking YouTube. youtube also follow us on facebook instagram and at invasion remake on twitter thanks to blockbuster cast for having us on i've been jason i'm always sam and i continue to be trish Brains. yeah absolutely and and i mean even to simplify it more i mean you could even you know just equate it to any problem that needs taken care of in your normal everyday life are you going to be the person to go hide in the cellar are you going to be the person to just jump out and you know face that problem head on are you going to be more reserved you know kind of in the middle you know what are what what type of person are you going to be are you going to be the ben you're going to be the harry or are you going to be the barbara who just uh just is totally uh <laughs> Did delirious? I don't even know what she is at this. I, she's in shock, I guess, in this uh, in this movie after her brother gets killed. The remake uh, improves her character. Like she turns into a bad okay. a badass in the remake. And and okay. although I, I I like the original more in virtually every way except for her character, I do like uh, how the remake treated her because they did not make her a damsel in distress. 
Uh, she, right. she, uh, I guess she kind of starts out that way, but then she's like, she is like survivalist mode kicks in and she becomes a badass. Okay. And so I like yeah. what the remake did with her character. They, they gave her more dimension and made her into more of a final girl. Uh, you know, like an actual final girl, not just kind of final girl by default, but you know, final girl really lighting up uh, with the definition uh, so that's uh, so the, in terms of comparing them, I do appreciate that about the remake. Uh, I love how they uh, improved her character. Yeah, definitely. Yeah, because yeah, I mean that's that's one. I don't know if there's a you know if I could have a critique on this movie or not, but uh, you know just you know yeah, her character just it's kind of like all right, what's what's <laughs> yeah I, I yeah I, w- I would have liked seeing her actually take action rather than you know uh, do that, but I guess you know I mean they're showing the realistic side you know too. I mean easily someone could be in shock after uh after a situation like that too so i mean i could i could see both sides of it but yeah i, I kind of want to see the remake now just to see that that side of her <laughs> um and uh so and i love in this movie how they actually which it doesn't seem like they do in uh I, actually i i don't want to say this because i've i mean i've watched walking dead um i've kind of given up on it i haven't watched it in a while uh but uh it doesn't ever seem like in zombie movies or anything like that that they show the cause of the outbreak and uh i actually had totally forgotten i rewatched this uh uh yesterday and um you know you know for the show and i totally forgot that they actually kind of explain or you know allude to where what this outbreak came from and they said how a satellite crashed down and the radiation from what they were testing on the satellite uh kind of caused this um i had uh, i had totally forgotten about that so it was it was they kind of cover everything you know it's, it's kind of uh, uh um what do you call that uh when they're all in one room uh, a bottled story i guess you know it's kind of all just people in one house but you know i like the um device they use with the the news and the tv just to show you what's actually happening out there as well i thought that was uh yeah, yeah. definitely a nice touch for the time it's a, it's a great way of delivering the exposition through the radio through the tv it works it works very well for the film and it uh you know makes it much more visual than simply them uh the characters you know talking about you know what it may have been and so we have um uh, the, uh, the, 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 the commentary that we get, the diegetic commentary that we get within the film from the uh, radio broadcasters uh, is also fun to analyze because you can, even, you can interpret that as another method of, of you know, uh, like re, uh, how to you know, understand what's going on, you know, reading it. Perhaps that's the perspective you take instead of, uh, getting in and making a difference, you're simply going right. to analyze it from the sidelines and somehow right. think that you are part of the solution, even though you're not actively doing anything, uh, doing anything to fix it. And so there's a, another type of character, you know, one that wasn't in the house. Well, I guess it was yeah. ostensibly in the house. Uh, but yeah, so we had so many great characters. It's very much a character-driven story. And the, the, yeah. the horror films that stand the test of time are those that are largely 
character driven. Uh, and yep. so uh, we, uh, we certainly have that here. And uh, it, uh, you know, it's how um, we can connect with uh, these characters. Perhaps we can see ourselves as one of them. That's our conduit for experiencing this story. Definitely, and and I love uh, you, you know how you you mentioned before just how low budget this had. I, I love when movies you know just use whatever they have. You know, like you said, they they had a, they had a camera. You know, and you know that that's that's what they had. And George Romero just used what he had. You know, to make uh, to make the movie, and you know, to I mean, obviously they had the capability of doing uh, color uh, back then. But I'm so happy this was made in black and white because I don't know how cheesy this would be in color um but uh but yeah just it's just incredible just the creativity that's involved um you know when you have so so little money to work with you know and and with special effects and everything like that just the the creativity that's involved it's it's you know, it's it's not appreciated enough. I don't I don't think. Um, I mean, it had so a, low, yeah, I, a relatively low. I mean, it had a very low budget. Uh, you can look yeah. at the uh, the original Nightmare on Elm Street. I mean, that came at a time in which New Line Cinema was about to close their doors. So that budget's real small. I think that budget's right around a million dollars. Uh, then you yeah. have uh, Halloween 1978. I don't remember what the exact number is on that one, but I know it's really low. And so like uh, these movies had relatively low budgets. Even Hitchcock Psycho, he made it with his TV crew because it was cheaper. So he used all of his crew and he used the universal sound stages in which he used for Alfred Hitchcock Presents to make Psycho. And so I don't remember. Oh, wow. I mean, of all of them, it still probably has a higher budget than the ones I just mentioned, but still relatively speaking, low budget. And so these movies, Movies, which we are still talking about today, don't have these monster budgets. You know, they they have you know a relatively low or like Night of the Living Dead is an ultra low budget. I know Texas Chainsaw right. the first one low budget, and um, so it ju- it goes to show that it's it's not the amount of money that you have. It's the 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 power of the story, the power of the characters, and the power of the audience experience. That's what's going right. to stick around with people, and you don't have to have a hundred million dollars to make a movie that people are going to talk about decades from now you you can have a hundred thousand dollars and you and you may very well be able to create a masterpiece with the right script and director and cast absolutely yeah no and and i just uh, i love you know the 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 effects the practical effects that were used even with the uh the the kerosene and the jars or whatever with the with the fire and the and the bed sheets hanging off of them them exploding and everything that was really cool and then the whole uh when the when the truck explodes that's a that's a fun horror moment uh kind of just like a flash in the screen you don't (laughs) you don't really know what happened and then they show the the truck explode it's like oh okay and then they their charred bodies they the zombies had a cooked meal after that so that was <laughs> that was nice <laughs> so that was yeah that was that was good stuff um it, what's uh and then you had a uh, so one thing i have to ask what your take is on this um so they're they're you know it seems like they're driven on cannibalism and and just wanting to eat the flesh 
But you have Ka- little Karen here who becomes a zombie, the little girl. Um, she decides just to stab her mother with a shovel. <laughs> I, I don't see any bite mar- marks on her or anything like that. She just she just wants wants that uh, that creature dead. What's uh, what's your take on this? <laughs> yeah, they um the and I like what they do with the with the remake with Karen's character too because they actually do show her going to attack her mom as opposed to using the shovel. Uh, I, I think maybe it was um, we did not want to show the cannibalizing of a mom who clearly okay. who clearly did care about her daughter, and so I, I think that could be kind of like how you don't typically see kids get killed, even in um, you know Ready or Not when the uh, when the mom and her two boys explode at the end of the movie, it, it's uh, it's off screen. So it, right. so it could be that uh, it was just going to be in poor taste to see a mom get cannibalized. Um, and also, you could <laughs> I mean you could look at it this way: matricide is often uh, committed by a son, not a daughter. It's patricide, which is typically committed by a daughter. So maybe okay. you know that uh, that could have you know figured into it as well. Um, but I don't really have any uh, anything beyond yeah, that. I, <laughs> so. Yeah, I don't think there's much uh, you know much analysis needed <laughs> there. Yeah, I just it just I found it. I don't know. I just I just got a chuckle out of it that she's like, nah, I don't want to eat you. I just want to kill you. <laughs> Maybe was good. she was saving um, her for uh, for a midnight snack. Yeah, exactly. Maybe, or maybe maybe mom she was... wasn't uh, keto. Maybe maybe girl was on a keto diet and mom mom just didn't just, just didn't fit the bill. <laughs> yeah, that's true. Or maybe maybe she thought the house would catch on fire and she'd have a cooked meal after or something like the car the car ones. Yeah, you know. <laughs> uh, but but uh, but yeah, I mean, getting getting towards the end here. I mean, you got uh, you know. Uh, Ben and and Harry kind of going at it all movie, uh, and then finally Ben kind of beats his ass, and then they fight over the gun and everything like that. Um, and then, uh, well, basically what I'm trying to get at, Ryan, is everyone dies. Um, <laughs> that's uh, you know for people who haven't seen this movie, sorry, um, but uh, but yeah, everyone everyone dies in this movie, including uh, Ben, who is we think is the last one standing. Uh, you got uh, the sheriff kind of combing the the town for any any zombies or ghouls as they call them in this movie or flesh eaters, um, you know, kind of combing the town to get rid of any extra zombies that are that are walking around. Um, and then they see Ben in the house; they just think he's another zombie, and boom, he's he's gone. That's uh, it's very Shakespearean tragic. Yeah, <laughs> a Shakespearean tragedy is isn't isn't that the trope that uh. All the characters, or most everybody, dies, and so we yep. we have that in here. So you know, perhaps we could read it as a Shakespearean tragedy as well. Definitely, and and I don't know if I mean I might be stretching here, but you kept you know you you definitely were bringing up Vietnam stuff. Mm-hmm. You know, is it just you know you 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 see someone in the jungle, you you kill them. You know, I mean, is that was that? You know, I mean, I think uh, that's a good point. I mean, that's a lot yeah. of that's a lot of. I mean, I don't. Obviously, wasn't around during the Vietnam and only know. Oh, you weren't. Oh, wow! <laughs> I, I I just looked really good for my age. Um, <laughs> uh, but I mean, I think we can we can look at it that way because uh, my understanding is that's what a lot of the controversy was. It, it wasn't just you know the controversy of war. I mean, there was that aspect, but it was more of like really what was going on and how those people 
were just being massacred. And it's and it's uh, yes, were uh, some people who were I guess was it the Via Kong? I think it's the term. You know, who were like our bad yep. guys. I, I I mean, that's I mean, obviously you know they. Um, were uh, I think uh, committing genocide with their own people or something like that. I, I'm not a history expert, but I know like there were definitely some bad dudes doing some bad things. Right. Um, yes. But uh, but I think when we went in there, that we just uh, weren't being very um, judicious with how right. uh, with the, who the targets were, and we're just a tar- just mass targeting. Of so many in Vietnam, and it was so. It's uh, I think a lot of people who were uh, just caught in the crossfire were killed. You know, it, it they weren't right. uh, specifically targeting uh, our um, you know, the uh, the enemy in, in that in, in, you know in that um, that part of the world. And maybe we could read uh, Ben's death like that, where he right. he's he is innocent. He's actually trying to help, and yet he gets killed because. You know the, uh, the the sheriff you know doesn't bother to 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 think twice and it's just like I'm gonna shoot and then think later and I, I um, my understanding is that's a lot of the the problem uh, with Vietnam is it was shoot now think later and right. uh, yeah I'm sure that still goes on today I would I would hope to think that it it's not um, as prevalent as perhaps it was uh, during the Vietnam War, uh, but we we still have issues that we hear about uh, in uh, during wartime today that are that are similar. And uh, we could, I guess, read his death that way. That uh, yeah. you know, uh, likening this to you know having just come out of the Vietnam War. Yeah, definitely, and uh, yeah, it's it's. Yeah, definitely interesting to think of it that way. Uh, I don't know if that's what was the intention was, but but you know that's uh, that's what I love about film. You can you can have different interpretations of it and everything like that. Not only horror films, um, <laughs> also regular films. <laughs> um, but uh, but yeah, uh, I mean that's uh, did. Uh, that's pretty much all I have to say on the movie, uh, Ryan. Uh, did you have anything else you wanted to uh, throw in here? Uh, I know, I mean, you know, we there was a lot of uh, uh, a lot of cool shots in this movie. I did mean to mention the, um, you know, there's one shot in the dark where it's just like a line of zombies. Uh, mm-hmm. uh, I forget when in the movie it was, but it was just a real cool shot of just of just the zombies, and that was. Uh, like I said, a good shot. <laughs> but yeah, anything else you wanted to mention about it? No, I, I think we uh, uh, did a, a really good job of talking about uh, you know why this movie is so great. And uh, even if you've seen it before, you know, those of you uh, uh, listeners out there, uh, go in and watch it again. You know, watch it with a new set of eyes. And uh, although uh, the sequels aren't quite cinematically on par with the the, the original. Um, they're still fun to watch. I, I, I like George Romero's Dawn of the Dead. I like Night of the Living Dead too. These are, these are fun movies. Um, and even Dawn of the Dead also has a lot of social commentary in it as well, except instead of like kind of a post-war era, it's like a post-modern capitalism is what we're talking about right. in, in, in Dawn, in, uh, Dawn of the Dead. So, uh, right. I, I love how we can explore what we are facing as a society through these films. And yes, it's not always just horror films. Uh, I think yeah. <laughs> horror films uh, are the most creative way of exploring society. 
Uh, but, I mean, you can do that. Uh, that's the beauty of film. You have the ability to do that. And, uh, I mean, that's just the, the film is rich. And, I mean, it's a relatively short film. I mean, it's not. I mean, it's what? Uh, 90 minutes? Yeah, hour maybe? and a half, I think it was. Yeah. 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 So, and uh, there's uh, all of that uh, is in there. And, uh, you know, and it gives us a great quote. You know, they're, uh, they're coming to get you, Barbara. I mean, how many times have yep. you heard that referenced in another movie or a TV right. show? And uh, it's it's great. Uh, so, no, I, yeah. it's, um, I don't really have anything uh, in particular to, to add uh, to Night of the Living Dead. Okay. Yeah. No, yeah, appreciate you. Uh, yeah, you, you gave a lot of insight that uh, I hadn't thought of before and didn't know before. I definitely want to check out the documentary or whatever is out there about it. Yeah. Definitely would be interested in seeing that. Um, but yeah, that's that's it for our episode of All the Horror. Uh, we appreciate all the clips uh, we heard along the way of all your uh, favorite uh, zombie films. We appreciate you uh, giving those. And um Ryan, where uh, where can people find you on social media? Well, in addition to social media, you can actually find me at Spooky Empire this month. I am a panelist and uh, something ghoulish. If you're familiar with that podcast, uh, listeners, they are going to be joining me because they uh, they answered my call on Twitter. I said, "Hey, I'm a panelist at Spooky Empire, looking for." Uh, podcaster to join me and so something ghoulish is going to be joining me on the panel nice and so my panel is called why horror and i'm going to be exploring the sociological side of horror i want to we oftentimes spend um, a lot of time talking about the psychology of horror well i want to take a step back and analyze the horror community and just analyze horror as a genre and how uh, it's grown such fandom, why it has such a strong community, a community that is welcoming to people from all different walks of life, and they're a part of the conversation, and horror winds up on t-shirts, and, and it events yeah. at theme parks, and it becomes, it, it's everywhere, and so I, I want to explore why horror, so it's more of a so, uh, looking at looking at the sociology of horror uh, more than the psychology. So that's what my panel is going to be about. But it's Saturday, November 2nd uh, at Spooky Empire, which is being held in Tampa this year. So if you oh, are nice. uh, coming to Spooky Empire, definitely come by my panel. I'd love to, I'd love to meet you. And I'm um, looking forward to getting to share the stage with something ghoulish and that we can you know, really uh, dive deep into, you know, why horror is so special um but if yeah that's no i was just gonna say that's awesome i'm <laughs> definitely gonna have to uh see if i'm available that day and see if i can make it yeah. i want to i want to see what yeah. you have to say man Ca- that's awesome yeah come out to spooky empire i i'm gonna be there uh, uh probably for uh, most of the event uh, we, yeah. uh, uh elvira is going to be there and so that's uh, also very exciting. And nice. uh, there's a um, an exclusive Funko Pop that's just for Spooky Empire of Elvira, which you can pick up. So it's nice. gonna be it's gonna be a great time. Um, but if you're not that's gonna awesome. be at Spooky Empire, you can follow me on Twitter at rlterry1. You can also follow my blog at rlterryrealview.com. That's real with two e's. And, uh, you know, I uh, welcome you into my conversation, you know, connect with me on social media. I love to interact with you. I do my best to interact with, uh, you know, with, uh, everybody that I can, cause I just, I love being a part of the conversation and I love starting new conversations and, and getting to learn about what other people love about, you know, film or uh, theme parks is also really big for me, you know, specific, and then you know, more specific, 
uh, the American horror film. So definitely connect with me and, uh, you know, uh, continue listening to all the rest of the, all the horror content all month long. It's a lot of great stuff out there. Yeah. And so what are you on? Like it. 55 shows <laughs> for this 50, 55. Is that where we're at? Or <laughs> I, I, I think I've lost, I think I've lost count at this point. So, um, <laughs> But, uh, that's awesome uh, but yeah i mean fun. you're the you're the you're the horror go-to that's for <laughs> sure and you're you're a huge uh supporter of of us and we always have a pleasure uh, having you on and we really appreciate it and without you uh we wouldn't be a part of this uh all the horror uh uh 2019 so we appreciate you uh getting us involved and yeah that was that was awesome man i appreciate you you doing that well, you're very welcome uh thank you and i <laughs> i roped in uh just so you know and real spoilers as well and uh, just recruiting as many people as I could that I knew yep. would uh, have something to add and be able to uh, significantly impact uh, the content that's coming out and just have fun and, uh, and be able to, uh, to, uh, to grow, um, to grow this, uh, this collaboration. So, uh, so yep. thank you for making time for all the horror. I know I appreciate it and Evasion of the Remake certainly appreciates it and everybody uh, who is involved with the collaboration. Yep. And of course, Dave, uh, Dave wouldn't be on this episode, you know, why, why would he, you know, <laughs> but, uh, all right, folks, well, you can follow us at blockbuster cast. I am at BC Cord. Dave is at Dave underscore quist. And, uh, that's, sh- that should about do it. Uh, for, for Ryan, I'm Ben, as always, grab some popcorn, grab some snacks. We'll catch you guys at the at movies. The movies.